Hello friends, this week's episode is sponsored by The Fort PT, everyone's favorite fully equipped mobile gym that provides customized personal training according to your individual needs and fitness goals. This month, they are hosting their second Animal Flow introductory class, which is happening on the 27th of June. Uh, I happen to have been to their first Animal Flow class back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was like two weeks ago, I think. And uh, I had a lot of fun. Um, we learned a lot of cool moves, movements, which were kind of similar to yoga, but still different in its own way, I guess. And they call it flow for a reason, because there's something about it, there's something about this particular movement that it's similar to yoga, where it really puts you in that flow state. So you are always very present in your body, and you're in the present moment, you know. So yeah, I like it. And if you are interested to learn a little bit more about this innovative movement style, check out their Instagram at PT and secure your slot today. Links in the thing below. Okay. All right. My guest today is none other than the great Erica Tangara. We did this episode in two parts, actually. Uh, the first time we tried to record it, there happened to be a massive road construction that was going on right outside of her window, uh, which we will hear a lot of it at about the 18 minute mark, uh, you know, into the 18 minute mark of this conversation of this party. And I, I, I don't know why I didn't stop it sooner, lah, but I guess I just want to, I, I guess I just wanted to, I thought I could like power through, you know, and uh, I mean, I was there already, like I, I scheduled the time to meet her and then, you know, we, we like 15 minutes later, the, the noise started to happen. Uh, and I thought at some point the noise would just stop, blah, but it, it continued all the way and uh, it only got really worse around like 40 minute mark. So that's when I finally decided to just stop and, and then uh, we rescheduled about a week later to continue. So... Uh, I'm thankful for Erica for giving me the opportunity to speak with her. I know, I know she's a she's a busy woman, and and I'm just a random guy, just asking questions and and all that. So, so thanks. Uh, appreciate I appreciate all my guests who agreed to come on to the show for that matter, and uh, to all my future guests as well. Thank you for taking the time to to just chat with me. I guess, um, and thanks to the listeners. Uh, I hope that these little conversations that, you know, we talk, like, that I share, um, give you guys some insights into, into different ways of thinking, different ideas, different thoughts. And yeah. So very grateful for your time as well. In this party, we talk about what it means to set the tone for a class and on respecting the yoga space, as well as a little bit about Erica's journey with yoga and the evolution of both her self-practice and her teaching style over the years. And things got a bit, a little bit emotional at the end as well, but in a good way, okay? Um, you, you'll see what I mean at the end. So without further ado, ado, here is Erica. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Testing, testing. Testing, testing. Testing, one, two, three. 
Hello, Erica. Hi, Aaron. Thank you for inviting me to this lovely place to do this. <laughs> Thank you for coming.、Mm. I've wanted to start this podcast for a long time. I've done a few so far. I have yet to publish any of it. By the time people hear this, it will have been out by now, lah. But I've always been excited to speak to you. One of the per- people that I wanted to speak to was you, and I've heard how your practice has changed and how it's evolved, and I start to feel that way as well. Having only taught for like barely a year, and I wanted to hear how you've transitioned. Like, well, I'm going straight into it.、Really. <laughs> how is your practice? Okay, let me think of how to phrase this question. How has your practice evolved over the years? What was it before? How is it now, and、mm. and what do you think has factored into these changes, or what what brought these changes about? Yeah, well, I've been practicing now for five years,、mm. and、um, five years is not wow.、Okay. Yeah, not that yeah, long. Not that long, yeah. but it's not okay. Yeah, feel if I'm looking back, it's like wow, many years, or but does. If we're going to compare to、mm. like how you, how long yoga has been around, it's really ba- I'm still a baby.、Mm. Um, but <clears throat> I started yoga at a studio called Affinity Yoga in Singapore. Which yes,、oh. um, and it was at Telok Ayer and、um, River Valley Point, and it went out of business. So、um, yeah, I remember that year、uh, when when Affinity Yoga went out of business. There was another studio called、um, I think. Sahana, something like that. Yoga, like two big studios went out of business, and it was big news.、Uh, but that aside,、um, that's where I started yoga, and it was hot yoga,、mm. and it was Bikram. It, yeah, but it it wasn't called Bikram at the time. It was just called like Hot B or、um, Affinity. Because they can't copyright it, lah. Yeah, yeah.、Um, and they also had their own sequence called Hot A. It was a variation of、um, Bikram yoga, but I actually loved it. My very first class、um, was with a teacher called Caroline Oshia, and she was Irish. And I just remember during the class thinking, "Oh my gosh, this beautiful blonde Irish woman with the most amazing act- accent is like telling me to like lock my knee and pull here and push here." And、um, I come from an athletic background,、um, so for me. I always thought yoga is something so gentle and easy, and then suddenly I came into this Bikram scene, and it's like really intense and really hot, and the teacher is shouting at you, and I just loved it.、It's, I yeah, it's you know, it's so. I feel like I started yoga not in a very yogic way,、uh-huh. but it w- it brought me in,、okay. and that is only can only be a good thing, right? Because it's now my career How, in my life. I mean. Bikram yoga、mm-hmm. is a style of yoga that's quite different from other styles of yoga. Oh where, yeah. In, in terms of the poses, in terms、mm. of the teaching method,、mm. but why do you think that Bikram resonated with you so much at that time? Like, why did it draw you in? Did you feel like you needed that? Yeah. Well, I I hadn't I I stopped being an athlete because I tore my ACL playing、um, touch football, and. After that injury, it was I hung up my boots,、mm. you know, and I felt so lost because post injury, post surgery, and even rehab, I still couldn't run. And to me, like at the time, I felt if you can't run, you can't exercise. Like I, you can't play any sport if you can't really run. And、I、couldn't really bend my knee. It was just always the the pain was always there. So 
I knew I needed to do something that was easy and simple and low impact and you know I hate cycling I don't really want to do swimming and yoga at the time seemed perfect because it's an after work activity it's only an hour I don't have to program anything myself I just pay and show up and get out um, and the sequence itself was so simple you know it's only 26 postures you do it twice you're instructed on how to do them and you can be competitive and Ooh. i love to be com- i'm still competitive now today <laughs> that sounds like something very out of the yoga scene right yes. the competitiveness of yoga doesn't yes. even exist oh yeah 100% mm. <laughs> elaborate please i mean you know, instagram of course oh. right i mean okay. everybody is always competing with themselves everybody mm. loves a progress picture right mm. But this doesn't just apply to yoga. Like people in general love transformation. If you need, if you want to have transformation, you need to be, there needs to be a desire to change. The desire to change can stem from many things, ego or whatever. But everybody is a little bit competitive either with themselves or with other people or studios are competitive or, you know, teachers can be competitive. Um, And I don't think it's a bad thing. Mm essentially it most of the time it will come from a good place everyone wants to do something better than they were already doing now and so long as you don't let it you know make you a crazy person then I mean there's a fine yeah. line between competitiveness and obsession mm. right mm. maybe the word isn't competitive like I mean yes you want to be better you want to mm. be better than the person that you were before and if the progression of uh, poses like mm. from from crow to handstand or yeah. whatever that's a healthy progression yeah okay yeah so yeah. I mean it so long as it doesn't take you down this road of making you upset with who you are uh, so but that might be the root you know what I mean yes yeah. yeah oh for sure I mean I was when I started yoga I was coming from a place where I felt like I couldn't do anything I was at my like all time fitness low oh, just yeah. like just hadn't done anything and doing Bikram surprisingly I was already quite flexible considering I hadn't worked out I couldn't squat or touch my toes but despite that I felt like wow I can actually do this so comparing to what I thought I was to then seeing what I could actually do mm-hmm. that is that's a bit yeah okay right I mean that's why people that's the hook you need to and that's for a student but like as a teacher point of view when you can make a student believe in themselves a little bit you know you've got them wow yeah that's i like that yeah so in that sense you know is there are there elements of ego and competitiveness 100 percent for sure wow yeah but it is not a bad thing i see Oh, this is very interesting mm. because we've been we've been told, or at least like the stories, the the culture of yoga is that okay, you leave you go at the door, your your body's where you need to be at this point. You know, mm. don't care about what other people are doing, which is true. Yes, yeah. that that promotes self love in yoga, but also if we look at it from a from a progression for a, a transformation point of view, you have to be a bit competitive to yourself, not to others. Let's say yeah. 
to, to, to have that healthy growth. Mm. And if you push yourself to a certain point, you will break the barrier and you will improve. Mm. So I can see that as a positive thing mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. And I think in the most raw state, a person in the very beginning is very competitive with themselves. Mm. Over time, it will change. It changes from being competitive to just desiring something. And at some point in your practice, you have everything. There's no more to desire. Mm. Then you're kind of like stuck. Mm. And, and, and then that's like, that's really when the real yoga begins. Ooh, mm. Okay. I agree with that mm. because what if one day you can do a splits and yeah. you one day you, then you're like, all right, now I'm going to do over splits. And mm. then you can't be splitting all the way. There's, there's yeah. going to be a point where you can't do it anymore. And once yeah. you reach that that peak, then mm. what? You yeah. Know? What's next? Mm. Yeah. Okay. And this applies to being, for me, at least just both a practitioner and also a teacher and it will affect your personal life, your career. It's It's all part and parcel. Okay, I have a lot of questions already from that. <laughs> um, so you were saying that as a teacher, to be able to sh- to 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 show students mm. their capabilities, how how does that like? How do you do it? Like it's you know. Well, this has changed over time mm. as well. So see, we're talking uh, about the beginner. Yes. Right. So in a in a in yeah. a beginner's class, to not only introduce newbies to yoga but mm. also how to give them that that strength mm, mm. well i would say for uh, for a lot of people like this i'm just gonna move this i can't see your face oh, okay yes yeah. i i would say the the uh, what's really popular in yoga of course is arm balances and inversions or extreme flexibility mm. so when i first started teaching uh, for me teaching crow was I, I hate to say it but it's like an easy sell because uh, crow pose looks oh, so mm. simple but it is so hard to do mm. and when a student can finally understand it and you were there helping them that's the easy hook and I used to be obsessed with arm balances and inversions and that was I would say that was almost like my brand and it still is to some extent. Yeah, yeah it's it to, to a, a little bit. But actually, surprisingly, I don't really teach arm balances and inversions that much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I also used to use flexibility. So I, I'm still known for backbending classes. But at the same time, I right now, I, I only teach them once a week on Thursdays. I don't teach them that much. Nowadays, I teach more less poses and just moving or alignment and mind to body connection in the sense like does someone know how to move their toes Mm. the right way or move their wrist the right way or internal external rotation do students understand this um but this my teaching style has evolved with with the confidence in myself to teach these things because I would say when I was starting to teach it was all about poses Mm. after YTT all you know is sequencing and poses you you don't really know anything else and and that is understandable so you teach within the knowledge limitations that you have 
But over time, you will start to see that it's only poses, it's only sequencing. And you might realize that some students get it. A lot of time, those people are either people who have um, previous athletic background or dancers because they have that awareness of the yeah, body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But what about the other students? You have to care for those people too. You can't just leave them behind. Then you start to really think about yourself as a teacher. Is what you're teaching truly valuable? And you, as a teacher, as a student, you experience that yourself because you stop doing just poses, you stop doing just sequences. You start to look for the teachers that give you more, more articulate information. And you you don't always want to flow and just listen to good music. You really want to move intelligently, carefully, and mindfully. And you realize how good it makes you feel. And then you're like, wow, this is what my students need to know. Then you start to teach that. You get more confident with it. And that kind of journey from being just a pose teacher or a sequencing teacher to now. Thinking about more about alignment and specific types of movement—that's the journey I've taken with my own body, and therefore that is what I will teach my own students.、Mm. This seems like a very interesting evolution.、Mm. And you, 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 you discovered this all by yourself through through your own journey. Yeah, well, also through、um, teacher influences.、Right. So I would say in the beginning of my. My practice, you know, there was Bikram yoga, and Bikram's speech is, to me, brilliant. It's so good because, you know, it's so it's so simple. I mean, I mean, I know a lot of the terminology is very like controversial and stuff like that. But that aside,、um, you as a student, when you hear that, you are very confident in the teacher. A teacher that learns that speech automatically learns how to be confident, how to deliver、mm-hmm. confidently. And and a lot of time you can see the difference between a Bikram teacher and a and a regular teacher who's been to other YTTs. One is vocally a bit stronger, and one is is vocally tends to be a lot softer, a bit more nervous, especially in Asia.、Mm. Um, so I think having that background within me was so helpful. It、uh-huh. made me be a very confident teacher from the very beginning. So this this was your、mm. your experience with practicing Bikram, but、yes. your TT was something else. TT、right? was totally different. Yeah. yeah, my TT was Ashtanga based,、Ooh. having not done any Ashtanga、mm. before, really. Yeah, my、uh, too. Like, my too. Yeah, yeah. so、um, the the Ashtanga sequence was great because it was so. Diverse, and it introduced me to so many other poses and things like jump back and jump through and handstands. It was so difficult,、um, but the intensity. There goes、oh, the construction now. Oh、dance. no! It's okay. Can't continue.、Um, but the intensity of the the teachings and the sequencing and the philosophy behind it was, I think, very integral for me as a teacher. Again, being able to. Deliver in that style. So when I started teaching, I was very intense,、mm. very fierce.、Um, just like in what way?、Um, like in a in a unapproachable way,、mm. or just in a very drill sergeanty way. Yeah, more yeah. like a drill sergeant, like a motivate, like, like a coach. On, you can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like、okay. a coach. So I mean, I. 
that probably came from my fitness background as well as an athlete. Like to me, if a coach was shouting to me at the sidelines to run faster, you ran faster. Yeah. So my style was to be at the side of someone's yoga mat, straighten your knees. The student will straighten their knees. Mm. But it's the delivery was so intense, and some people loved it, and of course some people hated it.、Mm. I was very I, well. I still am the he, the teacher you either hate or love.、Mm. Um, but over time, my delivery has completely changed. It's still the same words. It's just how I say it is so much more different. And that's because of all the teachers that I've been with, and all the companies and the bosses that I've had, who have been able to either inspire me or nurture me or educate me and, and stuff、mm-hmm. like that. So, I had like the Bikram and the Ashtanga background, and then I had the Vinyasa teachers、um, as well, and they were amazing. Like I was so inspired by Patrick Beach and the. I still say like I still remember he would say, "You know, inhale, rise," and I. I still do that today. So you take bits and pieces of what your own teachers say, and you add them to your own teachings.、Um, and, and over time, I met specifically Patrick Krillman, who is like the face of pure yoga, basically. And his own st- teaching style changed so much over the years. He used to be a, a, a DJ, so he's very much into music, and he was very vinyasa based. And he was over time inspired by Anusara and Iyengar yoga,、mm-hmm. mostly Iyengar yoga. And so, at some point, he oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right.、Um, over time, he completely stopped teaching with music,、uh. and then completely stopped teaching vinyasa. Hmm. Then what does he teach now? Now, just strictly Iyengar style. Ayengar inspired.、Mm. Yeah, so it's it was so much flow, and now it's so static.、Mm. And is that a progression?、Like- yes, I I think so. I think、okay. it become when you're. Well, it will depend on the person, but for me,、uh, having practiced from going from moving so much to then now having to stay very static. And focusing on engaging this muscle or lengthening this part of my body, it was it made me feel so good. You know, the poses were not that deep, but after the class, I I even it, whether it was a a ninety minute class or a three hour class, I didn't feel dead tired. I didn't feel like I wanted to go home and go to bed.、Mm-hmm. I felt like wow, I feel freaking good, and. It took a while for me to appreciate his style because I couldn't go so deep. But after having done his hundred-hour YTT, like I had never felt so good physically. And then when I after that course, when I went to my regular classes, so different. I was I was like on my best game.、Mm-hmm. Like I could do everything. So what does that mean? Like is this a matter of sequencing? Or... Yes. So there's,、yeah. there's something about. It's a bit of everything. It's sequencing. It's, it, it, but it's also like intelligent sequencing,、mm-hmm. and within the sequence, your intelligent instructions. So, a person who instructs down dog, you can see, straight arms, straight spine, tailbone up, push your heels down, or you can say, turn your inner elbows forward, push your shoulders to your ears, you know, or arch the lower back,、mm-hmm. or you can go even deeper, like. 
<laughs> Patrick's style will be from from the back of your inner elbow to the front of your inner elbow, rotate forward. Okay. And those very specific instructions, although will be very difficult for some practitioners to hear, especially newbies, new to yoga, some people who have been practicing yoga for a while, they will love that. Yeah, I'm already loving it. Yeah. Because I'm... I'm struggling, I want to say struggling, but I'm trying to think of cues that I can use in a more advanced class that can be beneficial to people who are, who know how to get into Dhamma Dog, who know how to get into Warrior 2. What else can I say to help you as the advanced practitioner engage or to bring more awareness to certain areas of the body that you may not know is required in this pose? And yeah. that, that inner elbow thing, face it to the right, that sounds interesting. Mm. And all this comes from going to classes yes. and, and learning from other teachers yes. and, and reading and whatever, right? Yeah. Yes. I would say going to classes is the best form of improving, staying... Yeah. Improving. Staying current, improving your practice, improving mm. your teaching. And being inspired, though. Yeah. That yes. is the key. Like, as a teacher and, and as a full-time yoga teacher, like, I teach 15 classes a week all year round mm. and I've been doing it now for four and a half years you can't be teaching the same thing every year mm-hmm. it, you know at some point you're just you start to question yourself like what am I doing Ooh, like, this is interesting this is and, a, I feel like I'm gonna f- reach that point at some point yes yeah. you, it's the evolution you will. yeah you will question everything you mm. and and this comes from self-reflection as and and as you do yoga, you do that a lot. Mm-hmm. And and as a yoga teacher, okay, we only teach like three or four class or two or four classes a day, but we have a lot of time to think yeah. and reflect yeah. about who we are as people, who we are as teachers, who we are as students. And um, it's a, it's so important to not let that get you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it will. You'll feel at some point like so lost and a little bit like. You just, you don't know. Mm. And, but as you mature with your practice and your teaching, you, and, and you meet certain teachers who probably went through the same type of struggle, you become inspired by that. Yeah. And I think for me, Patrick was that, that turning point I really needed because him having transformed so much made me realize that. Not that I shouldn't care, but at the same time, I shouldn't really care. Like, change is not a bad thing. Mm. Don't be afraid to change your style. And don't be afraid to truly teach what you truly believe within the given moment. You know, one day if you want to go back to teaching with music, okay. Just teach with the music Mm. if that's what you're feeling, if that's what inspires you. But if you believe so truly in your heart, your sequencing, your poses, your methodology teach it and you will attract those students to your classes and those students will understand why you've done it teach to those people Mm. and not to say don't care about the others but let the others have freedom to explore until they want to come back to you and if they still come back and still want to leave that's fine but you don't tell them what they're doing is the wrong thing you just let them come and go Right. Yeah. Let them explore themselves. Yeah. Wow, this is, I feel like this is such a high level kind of <laughs> thing that like as a as a new teacher, 
I I'm a I'm not even aware of these things here. Like I know mm. I feel something. Like I feel like whatever you're describing, I feel like I feel it. Yes. But I'm not aware of it yet. Yeah. And it feels like I will I will come to a point where like, oh yeah, I remember that time Erica told me that this this thing <sighs> and I will feel it and I'll acknowledge it and then that's where you will learn whatever you need to learn when the time comes. Mm. Wow. Yeah. This is interesting. Yeah. So okay. it's why I um I only teach with music in my flow, flow yeah. core and um, yin classes. I mean, music helps. Music helps to a certain extent, but if it helps, um, but if it's used as a distraction mm. from bring the awareness in away from the body and towards your music, mm. so I'm just listening to the beats and I'm not being aware of what I'm doing. Mm. Then it's not helpful anymore. Oh yeah, right? for sure. That's why, like, like music with lyrics, you know, mm. that kind of thing. Yes, it keeps you uh, motivated in, in core, right? Mm-hmm. If you need to, like, get, get a little bit more energy, just mm-hmm. like when running. Yeah. If, without any music, it's quite painful to run. You're in your own thoughts. But that's the point of yoga. You have to be there. Mm. And, and being in your own thoughts, but still letting it be, a, like, you know, putting it aside. And yeah. being okay with that yeah. in your own head. Yes. Mm. And, um, but I, I also think it's important as a teacher to not, rely on music mm. so uh, there was a, one time I, I did a, an outdoor event and um, it wasn't that well organized and it was supposed to be a core class by uh, Marina Bay Sands and I don't like I don't like outdoor yoga yeah it's distracting it seems it sounds very good it sounds very appealing and everything but actually in the in the given moment it's not that great but um, I uh, I thought the company would provide me with a sound system there was no sound system. And I didn't bring my own speakers. So, uh-oh. Silence. I had to teach this intense core class with no music. Huh. That's when I realized, like, wow, I depend on music so much. And then having done Patrick's course, <laughs> there was one time he said, if your students are coming to you and telling you that they love your music, Ooh, your, teaching, oh no. your teaching is not right. Whoa. And I was like, wow, all my students do this yeah. all the time. And, and, and I mean, it's not, I, a, bad I, it's not yeah. a bad thing. I mean, I, you have to take Patrick's words with a bit of grain of salt because he loves music. Mm. So, yeah, you know, I mean, he used to be a DJ. He still loves music, goes to Burning Man and all that stuff. So he's awesome. But I, it just made me realize like, wow, I have such a high dependency on music. This can't be good. Because there are going to be certain points when I don't have music and I still have to teach. And what am I going to do? So I I changed my music style from just regular like mainstream pop music to just the hand drum. Ooh. And that was a very good transition, which was inspired by Dylan Werner, right? Because he was playing the yeah. hand drum a lot. And it was great because there's it's just it's the same music and it's very... It kind of puts you in a trance. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's so that the tone. It's meditative. It's um, it's not like it doesn't change too much. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So it was it was a very good transition, and students actually loved it. And then at some point, no more no, music. Yes, and um, I think in the beginning it was a little bit difficult with all the awkward silence, but actually. Over time, I began to love that silence. Because actually, the classes that I go to don't have music. Mm. And I, as a student, you I don't, don't feel... You don't it, yeah. Yeah. So the music is really just teacher dependency. So, yeah. For me... I mean, I like music, but I also 
like silence. Yes. And I feel that um, to not have any music in class, you it requires you to have as a teacher a lot of ability to hold space. Mm. In a basics class where people are new and they're like looking around, like what do I do? This is so quiet. It's awkward. I'm in my own thoughts. They're they're freaking out. And it's up to you as the the, the teacher to like, no, listen, listen to me listen to right foot forward left foot back mm. you know that kind of thing and your ability to stand in front of that place and just like you know bring it back like listen to me don't don't think about anything else it's a lot of confidence it's a lot of experience that comes with that ability yeah it's a assertiveness uh. like uh, um, Gail she she always <laughs> Gail she always tells me she never fails to remind me how serious of a teacher I am and when she first came to my class, she was kind of a bit shocked, like, wow, this teacher damn fierce. <laughs> and because I, I always walk in and I don't really smile, I don't really say, I don't even say my name. I just say, let's get ready. Let's get started. That sets the tone. Yes. Right? In a way. Yes. I do that on purpose. Yeah. I, I, it's like a power move. <laughs> yeah, it is a little it bit is. of a power move. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's just, I'm I'm such a short person and I'm such a tiny I'm like a really young girl with these tattoos walking with booty shorts or whatever but it is a way for people to know that I mean business from the get go and therefore it sets a really great tone for for all the students from the front of the room to the back of the room they know it's time like Class, anymore, yeah. yeah, class has begun, and I always want my class environment, yes, to be to be open, full of fun and love. But we are within the environment; we are serious. To we respect are, the space, to respect the process. Yes, we are here to practice. This is not a social gathering. This is not marketplace. This is a yoga space, and we want to respect. The practice mm. and respect other people around you respect the teacher respect the studio and you as a teacher it is your responsibility to set that tone you do it nobody else can do it and you can do it though in any environment you can go to you can do it in your own bedroom your own living room you set the tone and and so long as you have or so long as you understand that power it's so bad to say power but it is it is but it is it is yeah, yeah. It, it's going to help you with your teaching forever the ability to command a room to to be assertive and 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 when you do that it will help your teaching so much because students they will pay attention to you and nothing is better when a student actually pays attention to you mm-hmm. it's so annoying when they don't yeah <laughs> yeah right and when they suddenly want to sit down and talk to their friend yeah. you're like what the hell is going on it's so distracting <laughs> they don't understand that like even if you do even if you're not if like if I'm a downward dog but you're sitting down for some reason mm. it's already such a distraction yes yeah let alone if you're talking or using a phone or whatever yes so but you as a teacher you're if if that happens uh you know, I'm so sorry to say, but that's your fault. Yeah, yeah, it you is. let that happen, yeah. and but that takes time to 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 master. Mm. I'd say, or oh, I hate the word master, but it to refine or something like that. Because I um, 
when I first started teaching, I had a lot of students who were on their phone, doing whatever, yeah, sitting talk- down, talking to their friends. You know, just not really there. Right. It's only now, in these past two years, I've kind of I, I got it, uh-huh. and it is the the balance of being assertive, but nurturing. Ooh, let me yes. write that down. Yes. Go on. And um, that that came from some feedback that I received from um, one of my bosses, Betty. Um, so this was during the transition from um, UpDog Studio, which is now our e-studio. So it used to be UpDog, and it was taken over by Yoga Lab. It's just combined. And East environment is very different from CBD area cbd area is all working class well not class but just like working people yeah. they're very high stress a lot of time high stress people like high stress workout situation they uh-huh. like it to match because in their environment they have to make so many decisions when they go to a yoga class they want to be told what to do okay, it's the opposite okay. you want to receive right, like, right, right. like your your job is so painful you go to a class if it's equally as painful you feel like you burn the pain out okay mm. East is very different. East is a residential area. Everyone there is usually mothers, family members, and that kind of thing. And, you know, their home environment is so stressful. Like, kids everywhere have to cook, have to clean, or uh, do errands, and send kids to school. When they come to a yoga class, that is their time just for themselves. They want to be taken care of because they take care of their home life so much. They come to a class. They want to know that, yeah, they they want. It's like a hug. Mm. They want to. They just want to move. They just want to sweat. But it's different from Raffles area, and it took me a while to realize this and to understand how to teach these kind of people, because. It's kind of funny, like we say, the students will be in down dog, and if the student sits down, it pisses us off. Mm. I used to see that actually as like it pisses me off, but now when that happens, it doesn't. Okay. And it's my point of view, and also how I set the environment for me to see it that way. Wow, that's a lot of self awareness. <laughs> so. In the east, I felt like a lot of students were always in chow pose. I like, why are you in chow pose? I said down dog. I never said chow pose. And if you say that to these students, can you imagine how bad they feel about themselves? Yeah. And I was doing that. I was making people feel bad about themselves. I was degrading them. And had Betty not told me that I lacked compassion I don't know what I would I would have done without that feedback but given the time when she told me I felt like I wanted to quit yoga I was like how can you tell me that I don't have compassion I'm a yoga teacher how how did you feel at that time did you feel that you were compassionate I mean I felt like you know I teach yoga of course I'm compassionate you know it's like I teach yoga essentially I teach yoga from a point of love. Mm. I love this practice so much. I believe in my students so much. I want them to be able to do these things I'm telling them. I want them to believe as much as I believe in them. So why is this not working? Why is it so back and forth and clashing so much? And 
it just took time for me to understand that some people want to learn how to put their head behind their head. Some people want to learn just to how to sit down, and 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 that is okay, and that is that is totally fine. And it's important as a teacher that you appreciate that. You appreciate every type of student in every walk of life, at every age. You know, whatever. Whatever they're going through. Yeah. In any situation. Exactly, and and just let it go.、Mm. You know, sometimes and and at that point, I realized that. You know, if I have a student that comes to my class and lies down in shavasana the entire class, I would say they're a good student.、Hmm. I wouldn't say they are lazy. They just needed an environment to to do X Y Z,、hmm. and you as a teacher need to appreciate that because I now have experienced that. Sometimes when I go to classes, I do not want to do the things the teacher is saying.、Hmm. And、uh, sometimes, as a student, you need to realize that: Are you being lazy, or are you actually practicing,、mm. or are you nurturing yourself?、Mm. So, give them that space to 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 explore, yes, to 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 give themselves what they need at that time.、Mm. Then you you've you've played your part. You've done what you needed to do at that exactly. point. Exactly. Yeah.、Mm. How do you balance that with the drill side? Oh, I guess what with、yeah. nurturing and assertiveness. Yeah, so it's、mm. kind of a, it's it's a tricky balance now. Is it a, a, a the ability to read people? Yeah, read. Read the room. Read, but I I would say less reading and more, not commanding, but just setting the tone for the class. You want to teach with directness and firmness, and let students know that this is your time. Like、uh, this is. Erica is in the room, and this is Erica's class.、Mm-hmm. This is not Aaron's class. This is you. You do what I have set up, but at the same time, you don't want students to feel intimidated.、Mm-hmm. So it's it's a balance. Yeah, it's so hard to describe. But in myself, I know how I'm doing how I'm doing it,、mm-hmm. and、um, I just taught at the East yesterday, and.、Um, I was I, every time I teach there, I realize how more mature my teaching has become, and the students how they're receiving it. They always smile now. I remember、mm. in the beginning when I started teaching there, what the hell? Who is this young teacher with the tattoos and eyeliner? Like, oh my gosh, why y'all hire her? I don't know, but <laughs> it it wasn't like that in the beginning. It was so tense, and now they laugh all the time. And I laugh all the time, but I'm so serious at the same time. It's just a combination of teaching.、Uh, here's actually a, a really good trick: is teach with a smile. Hmm. Okay. Yes, and it's it's things like, you know. Like when you smile, you feel happy when you deliver it. It's like a it's, subconscious、um, thing. It's actually it's、uh, it's it's a selling technique. Actually, and I I learned is that in my previous job as a travel agent, which is done mostly by the by the phone, when you're trying to sell something over the phone, they can't see you. They can't see you, right? So how do you deliver with your voice in a way that's going to be positive? Say everything with a smile.、Hmm. It will change everything you say. Okay, I don't smile a lot. 
can start can start to try <laughs> yeah and i yeah just and I, i when i did the om stars teaching online course when i look back on my videos i realized i wasn't smiling a lot so now i smile all the time because my voice can sound very sweet and a little bit high pitched and but it can come across as quite fierce but when i smile mm. it changes the 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 intention is different mm. even though the tone sounds intimidating mm huh okay i i personally have never felt that your classes were intimidating um that you were fierce mm intimidating yes but in a, in, a, in a physical <laughs> sense not in like oh shall i get off erica but in mm. like, i know that if i go if i click book uh, erica's class i can expect it to be of a certain like intensity mm. but i never felt that you were uh unapproachable or mm. fierce it takes some time i, I think yeah. yeah maybe i call you at a good time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes i would say so yeah well i think you can you can uh, like gail can for sure uh, say this like she initially was i think maybe even a little bit scared of me Um, but over time, as she got to know me, she realized, "Eh, this teacher, is she damn chill." <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I think I'm with that with people in general. Like I'm very selective with my friends. I'm very selective with my people. As you should. Yeah, and um, like as a yoga teacher, you need to be careful with who you spend your energy on. Ooh, okay. I'm, I've mm. been sort of like feeling this, this like. Draining, mm. like you know, because it takes a lot of energy to you expend a lot of energy when you teach a class, mm. and then afterwards, like even though you have a lot of time in the day, you still don't really want to go out and hang out with your friends because then it's it's draining even more. So you just want to go home and chill and regenerate. Yes, and it's about finding that balance and how smart you spend your time, you know, with who you spend your time with. So if, if I'm already taking so much energy to expend my energy in class. To give my best, to be as present as I can, I don't have time to go out and meet some random guy or yeah. some random girl and like just have a half-assed conversation or whatever. I want to mm. meet my real friends. Yes. So that's where you have to be very smart of who you hang out with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's the. Ah, oh, it's getting so noisy. I know. Oh, it's killing the mood. <laughs> oh, should we pause? Hello, hello. Hello. Okay. Okay. Hello, Erica. Once again, through the power of editing, we are back here without any outside noise, <laughs> or rather, I mean, there's still a bit of construction, but it's better than the last time we were here. Yes. Okay. Uh, we'll just start on a new topic. Okay. You recently got married. Yes. Mm. <laughs> now we're misses. Now that now that you've had some time to settle down and and you know after all the all the all the socializing and all the the good the well wishes now that it's it's settled how do you feel? Mm. Um. <coughs> well, right after the wedding was kind of a, I, because the wedding was such a high it was such a like the epitome of everything right because mm. the lead up to getting engaged. To then getting married, like all of that planning, and you've been waiting for this your entire life, and then it the the day itself was so much fun, and I 
if I do say so myself, I planned a really good <laughs> wedding. <laughs> I'm sure you did. And um, <clears throat> so coming down from that was a little bit was was really a down. It was like there was a low hmm. after the wedding because you feel like, oh my god, that's it. Like party's over. Not in sense of dating or anything, but it's like like you've hit a milestone. Like oh, I've got mm. married. Like I'm I'm done with. The dating life, mm, but it's a still no, a new, it's a new yeah. thing, right? Yeah, but it's not really that that you feel down from. It's more just for months. Everyone's like, "How's the wedding planning? Mm. What's your dress? What are you gonna wear? What's he gonna wear? What are you gonna do?" And it's like, it's so much about you, 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 and um, you, you, you just take all the attention in. Then on the day itself, it's like you ne- have never felt so beautiful because mm. everyone is telling you how beautiful you look. And then after that, people stop telling you you're beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So then you kind of feel like, whoa, okay, all right, I guess I guess I'm back on my own again. (laughs) The magic of the the wedding, the 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 magic of the wedding had had worn off, lah. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like waiting for Christmas, and then Christmas comes, and then after that, like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mm. okay, interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and so, um, but now that. Now that that's done, I've had some time to kind of reflect on what do I really want to do in terms of career and my personal life. And um, so I made the decision to cut down my classes. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Mm, which um, it doesn't seem like much to cut down only three classes a week. So I teach 15 and I'll be teaching only 12 uh, June onwards. But for me, it felt like a really big milestone. It's, because It's like at least like one day off. Right? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's about yeah. one day off. It's like getting like like your Fridays off for the yes. rest of the day. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. So now I have two days off, um, mm. Saturday and Sunday. Um, so I have weekends back, which I Like ha- a regular person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had weekends off since five, four years ago. Um, and like three classes means three hours per week that you're not teaching anymore. And like when you say it like that, it doesn't seem like much. But when I made the the official decision to cut down, it felt like a huge weight lifted off your shoulders, uh, in a sense. I'm sure. Yes and and no. In a way, I felt a little bit guilty. Hmm. Because guilty to the students. Mm, no, <laughs> sorry to the students, but um, <laughs> I just felt guilty in in a way that uh, like. My partner works so hard, right? He works 40, 50 hours per week. And here I am, I'm teaching only 15. And I say I want to cut down. I say I'm tired. Okay. Which, you know, if you're going to think just on an hour basis... Then then yes. It feels so guilty. But as a yogi teacher, you Mm. understand that it's not about working like two hours a day, three hours a day. No. Because it takes a lot of effort to teach those yeah. classes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, when I was single, teaching that amount or more was fine. Fine, yeah. Yeah. But now it, things are different. You're in a yes. different stage of your life. You got to yeah. think about what makes sense now. Yeah. And I mean, I'm now not just a yoga teacher. I'm now a partner. So mm. when you're single... <clears throat> Or when I was at least living with my mom, I can go to work and I can come home and I can just switch off. There's already food made. <clears throat> There's laundry has already been done. I don't have to do anything. Mm. 
Now, when I come home, uh, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> you got responsibilities. I uh, responsibilities, but also you need to be present. Yeah. For your partner, you can't right. just shut off. It's a commitment, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes energy. It's not a bad thing, but it's just I. I needed to take down some of my classes so that I have more time for me, and so I can spend a little bit more time, just chilling out and kind of. Because, Resetting in a way. Yeah, yeah. because before I, Saturdays were my only day off, and so there was so much pressure between my partner and I to use that Saturday to spend as much time together as possible. But now, I can spend time with him on Saturday, and then I can use the Sunday to just do my own thing.、Mm. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm glad that that you've made the decision, and、yeah. I'm glad that you're able to prioritize both him and yourself. And by prioritizing yourself, you end up teaching better classes because you're in a better mood. Yeah. Say rather than expanding, overextending yourself, and then like you show up to work and like it's hard, man. It's hard、yeah. to teach yoga when you're feeling down or when you're you know tired or exhausted. Yeah. So good on you. Thanks. I'm sure the students are happy for you as well. Yeah, I hope so. Okay. <laughs>、uh, let's see. How has yoga made you a better person? You reckon? Um, How has it helped you connect with others as well? Well, I think、uh, this is an interesting question because yes, I pride myself <clears throat> an interesting question. <laughs> well, it's an interesting question if you have an interesting answer. So depends on the question. <laughs> question draws the answer out. Yes. So um, I before I started yoga, I. I was a very、uh, a very headstrong person. I still am. It's just that the way I came across was very intense. So, like, I'm an Aries. I'm an only child.、Fire. I'm a female.、Yeah. <laughs> so, combination of all those things, when when I want something, I usually get it. And the way that I get it may not always be in the best of ways.、Mm. Or when I am delegating. Um, a lot of the time, I got feedback that I was very fierce. This is in the during teaching yoga or just in general? even before yoga. Oh, okay. So my personality has always been like the headstrong way,、oh. and people either liked it or they didn't like it. I would say in the corporate world, it worked very well to my yes, advantage. I would think so. Yeah, business was great. Yeah, <laughs> but、um, in the yoga world, it it can be、uh... either or. People again, they will either love you or hate you, but. Um, but that's just to the yoga world. But in general, in the world as a whole, it's the same thing.、Mm. It's just that we're only talking about yoga. So when sometimes someone asks me like, "How has yoga changed me or made me a better person?"、Um, I think yoga, in me teaching yoga, has really helped me、uh, open my eyes in terms of how am I representing myself as a person as a teacher. It's helped so much to make me quickly learn that whether I lack sympathy or do I lack、mm. empathy or things like that. But if I didn't have the yoga, I think I would have learned that anyways. Is it? Yeah.、Ah, okay. I think as you get older, people are not so afraid to tell you yeah, that、uh, you have a stick up your butt、right. <laughs> and you need to get over yourself. Okay. So I would say just、um, teaching yoga. 
has been a catalyst.、Uh. It's helped speed things up, I would say. But if I didn't have yoga, it would have happened naturally over time, anyways. I don't know about that. Like I feel like because of the yoga. That people will reveal, like it, like people will be more critical of you. People will will will, will tell you, like, hey, this person is whatever, whatever. But in the corporate world, they may not be as honest with their words in that sense. They might just, especially if you're in a position of power or、mm. authority, there there there's they're gonna people there's gonna be people that will suck up to you, and then、yeah. you don't realize how you actually are. But in the yoga world, it's a very honest world, and people and it will reveal. Yourself to yourself in that sense. Yes,、mm. and and no,、mm. because the yoga world, you still have people who suck up to you. Oh, that's true. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> that, in that sense, it's sort of the same. Yeah, I see. I see. Like, if I'm going to compare, like, if we're talking about feedback, how、mm. do we receive feedback? In Singapore, you don't receive feedback face to face. Ooh. You only receive it online.、Mm. Right. This、okay. this is the Asian style. Yeah, yeah. Non-confrontational. Yeah. yeah, avoid at、no. all costs. Right. Cannot, cannot fight. Mm. Mm. No, not in public. <laughs> Only online with no face, no name. <laughs> But、um, when I was,、um, I taught for a really short while in Sydney, and、um, over there, feedback is、uh, instantaneous, like、mm. right in your face. Like,、um, give me an example. Like,、um, give me an incident. I guess someone just came up to you and like. Fuck you! I hated it. <laughs> well,、um, no, not just negative feedback, but、uh-huh. I would say in terms of positive feedback, people would tell me straight away that they right, really right. liked my class,、mm. which is rare in Singapore.、Mm. I would even say to give to receive positive feedback、mm. like that. But in terms of negative feedback, I remember、um, there was one incident.、Um, my colleague, she was teaching. And it was a beginner's class, and she had just received feedback from her managers that she needed to teach a bit faster. In a basics class. In a basics class,、okay. like I think maybe her speech was maybe too slow, okay, okay. or、uh, who knows?、Okay. I don't really know the context, but I think speed was something she they told her that she needed to work on. Right. So then came the the beginner class that she taught. I happened to be manning the front desk. And suddenly, a student just came out. In the middle of class. In like ten minutes into the class,、okay. like barely had even started. Right. And I was just like,、uh, "Is everything okay? Like,、um, do you need water or something?" And it's like, "No, you need to tell this teacher that that class is not a beginner class. Like, it's way too fast." Or, it was like, just so in my face, and it was this man just so angry and amped up. And upset. So, you know, this is not something I'm very used to. I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. I will. I'll let her know. Um, you know, just I'm so sorry, and just let it go, right? Um, but at the end of the day, it was kind of funny because her feedback from management was that she needed to teach faster, and then a student got upset. So、yeah. then, yeah. So what's the yeah? So <laughs> so feedback says you're too fast. Slow down. Mm. She teaches, in her own eyes, a slow class,、mm. and then this guy interprets it as a、uh, being too fast, and he was angry about it,、mm. and he 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 thought complaining it to you、mm. will make it better for some reason. Yeah, I mean it's just more confrontational,、mm. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. but that's a, that's a cultural thing, like yeah, I would、yeah. say in Australia, people are much more confrontational. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh.、Huh. Okay. 
What are we talking about? Um, oh yeah, the um, the how how it's helped you connect to people,、mm. and then you gave that example. Yes. Yeah. We digressed. So, do you have a point to this? Well, I guess I would agree that yoga has made me more empathetic.、Mm. For sure, that would be the biggest one. Okay. I think I came into teaching yoga at a very young age. Right. And, and you're still growing. You're still learning about yourself. I guess. Yeah, I mean,、uh, the the brain doesn't fully develop until、like、you're like twenty. Yeah, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. So, I was very much in my own head. Right. And, but I think that's also understandable as any fresh teacher at any age,、mm. because teaching is daunting. Whether you're good at it or not, it is daunting, especially when you're starting, because nobody there is there to guide you. You can receive as much. Feedback. You can read as much as you want, but until you actually physically teach, you don't know.、Hmm. And you can't just do one hour and think you got it. You gotta keep on teaching hours and hours and hours of different classes, meeting different kinds of people, and that is when you go through the experiences, whether they are positive or negative. And then you learn from them, and then that will then condition you to be the teacher that you are today. Being able to teach like a multi-level class with people with different backgrounds, be、mm. different fitness levels, different injuries and issues,、mm. and to still make it an all-encompassing class—that's very difficult. I still、yeah. struggle with it.、Um, yeah, or just—I、mm, don't really like the word multi-level because I still—I、uh, think. I think teaching you. I think you need to yes teach to the people, teach to everybody, but do not、um, dilute the class. I think I know what you mean, but but elaborate a little bit more. Like, like say there was a、okay. beginner.、Let's, like say there's a beginner in class,、mm. never do yoga before, and it's a a power class. Yeah. Right. You、and、still teach a power class. Right. You don't teach a beginner class. Okay. But you help out the beginner as much、mm. as possible. You inform the beginner that this is not a beginner class,、mm. but you don't do it in an embarrassing way.、Right. And that is a skill. How do you warn someone without making them feel bad about themselves?、Mm. So, I mean, that is a skill in itself, and that will take time in your delivery. And for me, it's just. I always ask the, at the beginning of class, like, has anyone done? Is anyone doing yoga before、uh, for the、mm. first time, or is someone doing power class for the first time? And if they put their hand up and I haven't really seen their face before, then I'll just let them know, like, if this is your first time for a power class, just relax.、Mm. You know, if you want to just watch, just watch. If you want to just lie okay, down, okay. just lie down. And I think. You you want to make sure that you inform a person that when they're not doing something, that、It's、is okay.、Yeah. Yes. This is interesting because yesterday was yesterday two days ago. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday,、um, it, I was teaching a powerful class, and there were as the as, as I saw the people stroll in, I was like, okay, I'm gonna plan this sequence, like sequence number A. That's what I'm gonna do today, and then. Um, these the, this couple came in and they were very strong. I've seen them before. Nice couple, handstand people. You know they they can do it. So I was like, oh okay, these guys are here. So I'm gonna amp it up a bit. So、uh, so I start to switch to sequence B. So I have sequence B now. I go upstairs. All right, and he, and I said jokingly like, 
has anybody is anybody's first time doing yoga here for some reason because this is a powerful class and if power flow in ym is the hardest class right and then one there were this group of girls and then they were like oh she she she's she's first time here and i was like first time yoga ever she's like yeah and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, why you bring your friend first time yoga ever to a powerful class? Why are like, I was a bit like annoyed, but then like, and I was a bit flustered or so, and I didn't really know how to handle it. So I, I told her like, oh, it's okay. You can just take rest, take child's pose, whatever. And then I continued the class going back now to the easy sequence. And as I continued with the easy sequence, the energy of the class, uh, was, it, it, it became higher. So I was like, all right, this, this is kind of cool. I switched back halfway to the harder sequence halfway through. So it satisfied the advanced practitioners, but then I could see the, the, the new person, even though she was strong, she was strong. She wasn't like weak, but she was strong enough to, to do it. But she was just confused. Like what's, what's worried to? What's all this? She doesn't know, but she's still fit enough to continue it. But she, you could see that she was a bit frustrated and I didn't know how to help her because if I went over and kept adjusting her, it's going to make her feel like shit. And if I didn't pay attention to her, she's going to get confused. So then I was like, oh no. And I sort of just try my best to keep an eye on her. But I, I, I would focus more on like 90% of the rest of the class being okay with it. Like, cause they were having fun. So then at the end of class, like I didn't get a chance to speak to her or her friends because I was talking to someone else. But like, I wish I had at that, at the end of class sort of given her a bit of more reassurance. Like, I'm glad that you came to yoga. I'm glad this is the first time. I'm glad that you your friends invited you here, but like go to the basic class and at least give it another chance in case you didn't enjoy this class. Mm-hmm. You know, but I didn't I didn't reach out to her at that point. And then like now it's it's gone now, that moment is gone. So it's a bit like how do you how do you handle that? How do you satisfy? Yes, you teach the class, but then you lost that one person. And if it's a beginner, that person might come and say that well yoga sucks, it's so hard, I don't want to do it anymore. Then you've lost that one person, you know? One person out of the million that you're going to teach is not a bad thing. Mm, that's true. <laughs> you're going to lose many, many more along the way for many different reasons. I think if a beginner is entering a um, hard level class, mm. it is not your fault. Mm. It is the system's fault. That's just how it is. So then you do, do not believe in teaching multi-level? I think there's a market for it. Mm. So how did <laughs> it's that a help? great business plan. Right. But realistically, like there are levels because you're trying to separate out the intermediate from the advanced people. Well, having a very multi-level class changes the class, right? Unless unless you're very good at managing or your students know how to manage themselves. That's a very hard combination to have. eh? All the stars align to have this kind of thing. Exactly. It's only once in a while that that does that happen. But, you know, like, if you're teaching a class that has 40 people and like 20 like or like 10 people are beginners but 30 are there to go you you teach you, the 30 people I think you should teach to to the class what did people sign type. up for yeah. you can't change a powerful class into a 101 class or a basics and what if it's a power class or a power flow class and everyone in there is a beginner like not not say not say like everyone there is first time yoga, but like let's say you can tell first off the bat, like they are beginner practitioners. Do you still like what do you do then? You modify do, your you sequence modify. a little bit and demo a lot. But you still teach the class. Yes. So then priority is to foc- the, teach the class. Yes. That's number one, because and then you, adapt that class to yeah. whatever the students are. Yeah, 
you would That's, never that makes sense yeah because yeah. you you don't want to set them you don't want to set their expectations to think that oh okay oh. so like 20 people come into the class and they say oh so this is the power class now those those 20 te- students separate and then like five of them go to another teacher's power flow class and they're like wow why oh, is this so hard yeah. you've then made it more difficult for another teacher and then you have then like lowered the standard of the power flow class for the studio as a whole mm. and then the students going to feel like you are not the good teacher or maybe the other teacher is not a good teacher then mm. so interesting <clears throat> i think this is something that i struggled with a lot um especially when uh, yoga lab took over up dog mm. studio which is in the east and it's now our east studio so cbd area is known for having students that are a little bit more like garang style like mm. they want to go for it right mm. they're like they worked so hard during the day they want to burn mm. at the end of the day so they'll go ham um east is residential area lots of families lots of kids it's a different crowd and you have to respect that and a lot of the 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 students that are there they're married they've got kids grandkids maybe and they just want to move they do not care whether they can handstand they don't care whether the class is strong they just want to move they want this one hour to themselves away from screaming children and away from laundry mm. which is understandable and i had a really hard time because a lot of those students were not getting my sequences because my sequencing was always challenging. I had only known how to teach a hard class, how to teach a strong class. And they were not liking it. They were not receiving it well. They're like, "Who is this young girl wearing booty shorts with tattoo and eyeliner and why is she teaching this circus kind of stuff? Like this is not yoga." And then, and then me getting frustrated like, "This is yoga. You don't understand. You haven't been working hard enough. You don't like going back and forth and oh and by the way this was never said directly to another yeah, person this is all, this is all behind closed doors right, right. Ah. so right and and but that is when i was given feedback from my boss that i lacked empathy mm. and um i felt very upset when i received that news and i felt like i wanted to quit yoga quit teaching quit the company be like you know throw my middle fingers at like oh my god you don't understand you don't you know if you don't understand me you can have me kind of <laughs> feeling um but of course i got over that <laughs> and um continue to teach and what do you think that that stemmed from that behavior of yours like being so defensive about your style or oh my whole life whoa <laughs> i'm an only child so uh-huh. i've never had to share anything. Ooh, I've always had my way. Um and a combination of I mean I love my parents but I my my parents parenting style pushed that attitude because mm. I think they knew that it would get me to places that fire. Ooh, okay. Because I was not a lazy kid. I was very very active. I may not have been academically very good, but they you pushed me. That, yeah. yeah, I always worked hard and I've always known that I must always work hard even even though I never went to university but I never did nothing with mm. my time. I was always either doing a course or volunteering or working like at a shop selling clothes. It didn't matter but I would always hustle. And so that has carried through with me into my teaching and plus I used to be an athlete so athlete you only push. It doesn't matter if you get injured. Mm. 
you're a hero if you pl- still play while you're injured. Mm-hmm. So just that kind of fire within me, combining it with yoga, and then moving on to teaching at the East was just the epitome. I think of a big realizing moment in my yoga career. But the time when I understood Betty's feedback was only when my、um, partners, that, well, my now husbands、mm-hmm. and I, dog died. It took a while for me to really understand what Betty was saying about empathy, until something shit happened to me, and other people were very empathetic to me, and then I understood. And I received the news that George needed to be put down when I was about to teach in the East,、mm. and I we couldn't get covers, so、um, David said that he would wait with George at the vet.、Um, so they just hung out there while I was still in the East, and I needed to teach I think two more classes, and I was already very shaky. And then the before I even started the class, I just told the class. The news that I had received, and I just—I think that's also important. Like, if you are sick, tell the students you're sick.、Mm. You know, if you're like, if if your dog is about to die, just let them know because you might break down halfway through the class, and like, there needs to be a reason. Right, right. So,、um, but the moment I started telling my students what was going to go on, I of course started to cry, and the students rushed to get me tissue, hugged、oh. me, cried with me. And、these are your regulars, or these are、mm. just re- oh, okay. Some regulars. I mean, it was a, it was a very big class, right? But everybody was so sympathetic,、mm. and I felt like everyone understood. And it was in that moment I felt like I get it now.、Mm. Everybody has shit they're going through, and everybody comes to yoga for a reason. Whether their reason is because of something good has happened, or something bad has happened, or they want to work out. You need to respect that, and so as a teacher, it's so important that you never make somebody feel worse about themselves. You always want to empower and make them feel better than they did when in the beginning of the class. But having said that, that's going to be so difficult in say in your situation, like in a power class. How can you make a beginner still feel good in an advanced class? That is something you will learn along the way. What you say now is definitely going to be different to what you say five years from now, and the only way I like I feel like I'm I have it that delivery, but I can't teach it.、Mm. It is just something that your own voice will condition itself. Your presence, your energy, the way you smile, the way you look at the student when you say your words. That is going to change over time, and once you have it, then you understand. So, as much as I can say to you now, like I don't think you should dilute your classes. Maybe for now, do do like do dilute the classes, experiment a little bit, and then over time you'll figure it out. And plus, with added on time. Your name will condition itself, like as in your name as a teacher. People will start to know you. The right crowd will start to come to your class. Things can also fix itself without you even really needing to do anything. So that in will help you avoid having that situation later on, because right now I've 
once in a blue moon do I, does that ever happen to me. But when I started teaching, yes, happened all the time. Hmm. But now people know who I am. They know the type of classes I'm going to teach. And I know how to present myself in the class without, what, even though a student has never met me, I think once they see me walk into the class, they kind of, they get it mm. that I'm a serious teacher. The reputation speaks for itself. Though. Yeah. Wow. So it's just, I mean, it's so, there's so many layers mm. to teaching and <clears throat> yoga for sure is going to help you dive into those different layers Man, you're so experienced. <laughs> this is so interesting. I've, I mean, like it, just like the last time we talked, it, it feels like the things that you say are things that I sort of realize are happening now, but it's only at the beginning stages. Like I'm starting to feel this or that, but then you've already gone through it and you know what I'm talking about, but I'm still trying to understand what you are trying to tell me in mm. a way because I haven't been there yet, but I see it coming and I can see... It's like a, I see the path, but I have to take my own path to understand, to reach the point where like, oh, we're on the same level. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. A lot of things are going to affect your path. Hmm. The studios that you work for, the locations that you teach in. The things that happen to you as well, how you mm. grow as a person. Yeah, your your personal life yeah. experiences, whether you're you're single or in a relationship, mm. whether you know you're depressed or you're happy whether you're earning money or not the, all those things will have an effect on your teaching hmm. yeah okay i have one question here that says struggles of teaching i mm. guess that was this seems to be one of them yeah like the the journey yeah well i think not giving up hmm. is a big thing like even i i love yoga and i love teaching yoga but have there been times when I felt like giving up? Yeah. All the time. All the time. Yeah, I'm yeah. constantly questioning, is this for me? Hmm. I, in a way, still question it as well. Like, like I question it to the point, like, um, I'm still sort of struggling to overcome bad classes and, and not hang on to good classes, hmm. you know? Because if you teach a bad class, it really feels terrible. And you, you do question whether you're making the right choice career-wise or whether you want to do this and and risk teaching another bad class. And if you teach like three or four in a row that are terrible, like, oh, that's going to that's gonna ruin your whole week. But then what do you do as a person to, to overcome that fear, to, to get over yourself, to get better, or to what steps are you taking to improve yourself, you know? It's... <clears throat> it's... Uh... The way I did it is, although I had all of these feelings, I never proactively made big changes. I just let them happen organically. Mm. I think if you're going to force yourself to be someone you're, that you're not, it's going to come through you as a, to, to people as you as a person and as a teacher. So it's... Um, so I guess it's not a matter of that... that not so much mm. a matter of the the things that you do, but rather mm. how you react to those things. Yes. Yeah. Because mm. you can read as many teaching manuals as you want. It's not going to make you a better teacher until you actually teach. Mm. And you need to experience bad classes in order to be a good teacher. You mm. need to have those moments when you had 
one student who had no clue what they were doing. And, and you will learn from that so much. Mm. And, or you, you need those times when your classes are canceled. You need to go through that to then appreciate when your classes actually happen. And it's kind of like, um, it's like, it's like, it's like getting brokenhearted. Mm. Sometimes, uh, well, not sometimes. Over time, your recovery from a broken heart will get a little bit better because you realize a little bit more about what you want, what you don't want, who you are, what type of people you want to be with, or what kind of students do you want to teach. And you grow stronger through that, yeah. through that pain. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you, you need that. Mm. And as you grow more confident with yourself as a person, your teaching will massively improve. I, I, like when I started teaching, I was already very confident in myself and in my capa- capabilities. And a lot of that I would have to say is due to the fact that people told me I was good. So it, my head was very big. Mm. Then really the real feedback is from the students when your classes are small or when your classes are canceled. Then you're like, you question yourself, like people tell me I'm good, but why are people not here? Or why is this person upset? Mm. And you question everything. You question yourself and you question the people around you. Um, and at the same time, emotionally in my personal relationships, I was going through some bad relationships. And I felt like I was... Not um, good enough? Mm, yeah, a combination of... I don't think I told myself I wasn't good enough... But I look back now and I realize how hard I was trying to make someone like me. Hmm. So I would say that was very much so in my own teaching. I was trying to get the students to like me in my teaching. And I was upset when they didn't like me. Now, fast forward to today, if a student doesn't like me, okay. Hmm. I'm really cool with it. And it's not like it's not like a I don't care like you if you don't want me then don't have me. It's not it's not out of anger. It's just you just let it go. Mm. It's just okay. It's just that quiet confidence of like yeah, well, yeah, it's okay. You know, and but it's also for me to know that I helped that person realize that I'm not their teacher, so they're gonna find someone else, mm. and they're gonna find their own teacher. But you help them. Mm. That's nice. I like yeah. that. So it's, yeah, it's, I would say I'm, I feel very confident in my teaching now because I'm more confident as a person, as a whole. Mm, which mm. comes from experience, which comes from um, whatever circumstances that you go through and you being able to overcome those circumstances. Mm. Mm, okay. Do you have a, do you meditate? Do you no. have a meditation practice? Ooh. No. Okay. How do you keep so zen then? I'm not zen. <laughs> oh my goodness. You mean you have problems just like everyone else? Of course. Oh my goodness. I, patience is not my virtue. Mm. Uh, but being being in a relationship and being a teacher forces, forces you. Forces you to be patient, yeah. Yes. Patient with the students, patient with your partner. Mm. Okay. And patience was a big thing for me and just reacting and letting it not get to me like uh like today um 
my lunchtime flow class, which is usually quite a packed class, but today uh, only two students signed up, and then Maya came to class, so it was then three. So firstly, it was only two students. I was feeling, oh no, like what's going on? Is everybody traveling? Like where is everybody? And then Maya comes to class, and I'm like, oh my god, is this a like a quarterly review? Is she going to be like assessing my class? And then、uh, high stress, high stress, right? Like oh my gosh, what do I teach? What do I teach? And then Maya is still talking to me, talking about shit. So we need to stay calm while she's talking to me. I'm thinking, wow, what do I need to teach? Ah, stress, stress, stress. Then I start to teach, and everything goes away. Because you have to just let let's go, right? You、yeah. have to go already. You gotta you gotta drop everything,、mm. and whether it is one person in the class or fifty people in the class, you teach the damn class. And once you start, inhale, arms up, you're good to go.、Mm. It will just come out of you naturally. So you do have a meditation practice. And <laughs> in a very like you know yeah, one to two on, seconds depends on how you define it lah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but、cool. do I like you know wake up at like five in the morning and like do naoli and like sit on a cushion and like you know ring a gong or something? No, no. <laughs> I'm、okay. I uh I am not that type of person.、Mm. But if someone actually set that up for me, I would attend. Ooh,、okay. Yeah, but it's just you know、uh, meditation or sleep. Ah,、uh, sleep wins. <laughs> mm, mm. Can can I agree? <laughs> okay. Um. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um. No, not really. Okay. Uh. Then I have questions for you. Okay. Okay. Can. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. These are a few questions that I would ask people at the end of the podcast.、Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask you a few questions. Okay. okay. Question number one. I think this question will be the same throughout. Uh. Because I like this question, and I wanna, I feel like it gets, it, it, it's interesting to hear different people's views on it. So, question number one is, what do you think is the biggest problem in the world today, and what should people do about it? Based on your opinion,、hmm. through your experiences. Well, I think there's too many people in the world. Ooh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it is a problem. It's a lot. Of, it's a problem for a lot of things. I think it's the catalyst. For all the issues that we have, too many people. Okay, so let's talk about environmental causes.、Mm. We can talk、oh, about the logis- logis- logistically, yeah, and we talk about like just burning the resources and all that kind of、mm. thing. But yeah, go on. Yeah, too many people requires too many resources. If you need more resources, you need quick, fast resources, right? Because、mm. you can't just you know have something be productive, produced in like one at a time.、Mm. Things need to be produced now in billions,、mm. in millions. So, fastest way is to use non-sustainable things. Therefore, the world is very polluted now, and global warming, and all that kind of stuff.、Uh, then also, too many people has too many opinions.、Mm. Opinions affect the political side of things, right? Red or blue or、mm. left thinking, right thinking. Managing people is difficult. So, yeah, I just think. There's too many people in the world. What's the too solution? Too many opinions. If you were the king of the world, if you you were the king of the world right now, what's yeah, what's the cure? Stop making babies. Yeah, but that's what that we're, we're doing the opposite right now. Everybody's like trying to make more kids. I would say everybody is trying, but like some countries are forcing people、yeah. to have more babies, and then some countries are removing abortion laws in different would, ways. Would you、like、want to have a kid? 
Oh, of course. Mm. I like. I, I will add to the population <laughs> happily. <laughs> I well, of course I will think my own kids are angels.、Mm. Um, I mean, in the most ideal world, I would have four, but I pr- probably only technically afford two. So that's the thing, I guess. People do want to. It's in our nature to want to procreate. For, yet, for some, not、yeah. for all, I think.、Yeah. But it's still, it's still then by bringing another life into the world, you we are in a way damaging the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure.、Mm. So. So it is what it is. We're damned either way as humans. Yeah. So really, the thing with that question is, there's only a problem if you think there's a problem. But sometimes ignorance is bliss.、Hmm. So if you don't think about it, there is no problem. Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wise words from Erica. <laughs> Pretend it never happened. Problem goes away. It's okay. Make more babies. <laughs> <laughs> okay.、Uh, what do you value most in any relationship? Uh, wow.、Mm. Take your time. Think about it. Or you can list a few if you want. But I want the, the top, the top one. Must have a number one, the ranking.、Mm-hmm. I just think、um, unconditional loyalty. Whoa, that's a lot to ask from someone. <clears throat> yeah, I was, and I think I ask of that person because I know I'm a difficult person,、mm. and I know how difficult it is to be my parent. Like,、uh, like, like yeah,、oh, okay. like it's, to, it's hard、yeah. for my mom to mother me. It was, it was always that way. It's hard. For my friends to be friends with me, it's hard for my partners to be a partner with me. But if a person, the the trend I have seen with my most successful relationships, whether it's parenting, like family or friends, or with David, um, if a person can let me have my space, like if I'm angry, let me be angry. If I have a new obsession, let me have the obsession. Obsession. If I'm going to probably hurt myself, let me hurt myself. Like brokenhearted、okay. or oh, things okay, like okay. that. Like let it. Let me be me, but still be there. When you the, come out of it. Yes. Oh, okay.、Mm. I get it. I I I get it in a in a in a sense, but it's also hard for people who care about you、mm. to let you go through that and just like step aside and wait till you're done with your face and then come come there. Yes. Right. Yes. So I guess it takes a lot of understanding of you as the person. Like say, I'm sure David's been with you for a long time. He understands you and he knows that oh, this is the time to leave Erica alone, or、mm. this is the time to leave her to let her do her thing, and then whatever it is, I'll be here when you're when you're like. When you're ready,、mm. and that takes familiarity. Yeah.、Hmm. Well, But how does that translate to loyalty? This this seems to be more of an understanding thing, right? Because、yeah. if you if I know the formula, oh, then I'll just let 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 wait till you're there when you're ready to come talk to me or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think, but I think understanding and loyalty go hand in hand.、Um, you know, maybe I would say sometimes my situations can't be understood. Mm. And I will still hope that that person is still there for me. Yeah,、mm. like I, I fight with my friends or I fight with my mom, and especially with my mom, I don't understand ninety percent of the things that she do does or says, but I will be there for her. Ah. Yeah, you know, and.
and it's the same with David. We we fight all the time. But I would say our relationship is very successful because we are good at fighting and good at recovering Recon- yeah, from the fight. When the dust settles, it's all like we're yes. still here. Yeah. So mm. a lot of my like I'm not the type of girl who needs her friends all the time. I find that so overbearing. Like I didn't even go wedding dress shopping because I did not want that kind of look at me, yeah, yeah, see yeah. my dress. Like I think if but if another girl invited me like Jasmine's going to get married, like if she's going to have a wedding dress, you know, try on, I want to be there <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. But for myself, it's just not my thing. And I, yeah, I even got ready on the day itself with no bridesmaids. Didn't want any bridesmaids. Just I just didn't really want that. I knew I was going to need my space on the day, mm. but all of my friends were still right there for me when I was at the location, mm. and they never questioned anything. They didn't say why am I not a bridesmaid, or they didn't say why do you not want to have yeah, a yeah. wedding dress try on. It's just let Erica be Erica and okay and mm. david was the same he never questioned anything he just that's erica is the type of girl who knows what she wants she's just gonna have it her way and he lets it be that's nice yeah uh, okay yeah that's nice i like it okay. third question mm. what are you most afraid of mm. this can be anything uh philosophical it can be like, I don't know, rats or something. Clowns. Mm, <laughs> I think uh, not meeting somebody's expectations. Hmm. That's a heavy burden to put on yourself, eh? Right? If you think about that. Yeah, like, when I was younger, it definitely affected me a lot. It was why I was so depressed and this- not confident in myself. And this is to you and your parents. Yeah, and and I was, although I was a very I was a very confident child, but that confidence came from a very atten- attention seeking place, craving affection, craving love, craving validation because I deep down was not confident in myself because I felt like I was not good enough, mm. or I was not meeting world's expectations of what a girl was supposed to be terms of beauty and looks and size and things like that and that took me a long time to get over you know as you as uh, for females in general as you get over you stop caring about that stuff Mm. you don't care if you've put on a kilo or two it's whatever um and same with my teaching in the beginning when i was teaching i needed validation i needed people to tell me that i was a good teacher and whenever someone made me feel like I wasn't good enough, I crumbled deep down inside. It felt like ruined. Mm. But over time, you get over that. I've always, I mean, I think for any Asian kid and their parent, you always want to make your parents proud because they never say anything. Mm. They only tell you when you're doing things bad or wrong, but they never tell you, when you look good or you're doing good or and um on my wedding day my mom made a speech and oh my gosh like that meant the world to me and she told me she was proud of me and wow i even even now i think about it i want to cry 
But yeah, hearing that made me realize how much I wanted it, mm. how much I have always needed validation from my own parents, and I needed them to be proud of me. I wanted because I've always wanted to meet their expectations, and then coming into my relationship with David. I think all the relationships before him, I felt like I needed to convince someone to love me. But then, before I met David, I told myself, "I'm not gonna care about that anymore. I'm gonna make sure I look for the guy that I know I want.、Hmm. And if he doesn't see how good I am, or if he or if he doesn't meet my expectations, then it's not good enough." Okay. And you know, through the two years that we've been together, I realized that all the relationships I were in before, like it makes me see now how ineffective those partnerships were going to be in the long run. And I can see so much more clear now with my partnership with David, my partnership with my mom, or my partnership with Yoga Lab. And with my friends and with the students,、mm. just all right. So although I say right now that my greatest fear is meeting someone, not meeting someone's expectations, I'm at a stage where if I don't meet somebody's expectations, I'm okay. It's still something I'm afraid of, but I'm working on it constantly. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I like that answer. I'm sure your parents are proud of you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, next one.、Um, if you could, oh, this is an interesting one.、Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm actually <clears throat> quite excited to hear it. So, if you could spend a day with someone that are alive, who would it be?、Mm. Too many already. No, not really too many because.、Uh, well, if I'm going to think about, it, is, is there anybody dead that I want to really like <laughs> communicate with? Um, not really.、Mm. I'm. I'm the type of person where. When something is over, it's over. So Ooh, yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, I mean.、Okay. Apart from like you know when George died, like、uh, that was maybe that was very hard. But you know I I have never felt I've never feared death. Yeah. Because I I know it's going to come anyway. There's no point fearing. It's in a way it is very reassuring、mm. because it's a definite.、Mm. I'm more afraid of things that I don't know about, like expectations. Ooh. Right. So that to me is more stressful than death. Okay,、mm. I feel like all the answers, that, <laughs> all the answers that you give are very, are are your answers. Like it makes sense. Like of course you would say that, considering who you are as a person and 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 how you, how you present yourself.、Mm. Yes, that's what Erica would say. Of course, she's not afraid of dying. Of course, of course, she doesn't want to meet anyone. It makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. If I if I really. I would say I, the person I would love to meet actually is 
maybe a person that doesn't exist. What do you mean doesn't exist?、Mm. Like a fictional character. Yeah, like either maybe I would love to meet like a younger version of David or.、Oh. The younger, like my mom before she had me, or maybe maybe my mom when she was pregnant. How she was like at that at that、mm. time. Ooh, yeah, that's or... interesting. Yeah,、oh, I always thought like this question meant to, like having to 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 talk to a a, a real person.、Mm. But I mean, I guess the, the past <laughs> you is still a real version of you in another timeline. But yeah, ah,、oh, that's true. Okay. Yeah, just I mean I. I love understanding people,、mm. and I love looking into zodiacs and things like that. So, I think I think with my mom, especially if I could meet her before, right before she gave birth to me, I would love to like know where she was at, you know, mentally, spiritually. Or What's、history. your mom's、uh, star sign? She's a Sagittarius. Cannot, can right, cannot, <laughs> cannot.、Oh. Aries plus Aries are very pragmatic,、mm. and Sagittarius are fantasy. Yes, yeah, right. Yeah. So、okay. dealing with my mom as you know, growing up was very difficult. Now, if she has like a fantasy idea or business idea, okay, lah, okay, <laughs> let it be. Go have fun, lah. Just don't get us in debt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay.、Yeah. Final question to tie it all back together.、Mm. What's great in your life right now, or what could be great in your life right now, and how does that make you feel? Um. Well, coming just coming from my wedding, my marriage、mm. is best thing ever. I don't want to cry, <laughs> <laughs> but I think for so long you thought that. That you didn't deserve love, and then finally you tie it down with somebody else, and you realize that you deserve love, and and you deserve the amount of love that you're about to give somebody else, and that is the greatest reward to love and to be loved. And David and I right right now are in such a good place. We are so excited for the future to just be together, and I think both him and I have gone through so much. Like George died, and then his mom passed, and I have issues with my family. So knowing that I have somebody who's gonna be there for me, and I'm gonna be there for them through all the shit that we're gonna go through, is so comforting. And that's what feels good right now. I feel so settled and so comforted in my partnership. Yeah. <laughs>、mm. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I'm sorry I made you cry. I'm so pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy. I'm, I'm really happy to to have spoken with you. I have a lot of respect for you. I'm very. I'm very happy with with where you are in your life right now, that you found someone that you can care about and who cares about you.、Um, you're an inspiration. You're <laughs> you're very experienced.、Uh, I'm sure people are gonna learn a lot from this. 
<laughs> thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. <laughs> thank you. And with that, we close this episode. Any final words? Oh yes. Um, how can people reach you, or how can people find out more um, about you? <clears throat> if you have any retreats or anything that you'd like to mention. Um, re- retreat is full, so please don't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't accept anybody else. But um, easiest way to contact me is through um Instagram. So, Erica Tengara Yoga. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any websites you have? I do, but uh, it's not worth looking okay. at. <laughs> Let me know if you want me to put it in the thing as well. Okay. okay. All the links will be at the show notes below. Alrighty. Okay. Thank you, Erica. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Okay. When I first started this podcast, I wasn't really expecting anything. I was just... This was just like a thing for me to do to... To, to have an excuse to talk to people who I found interesting and an excuse for me to learn. And now that I've done a few episodes already and, and I've gotten used to, or rather I've, I'm learning to, to be a host, right? To, to, to try and ask the right questions to get the answers that I want to hear or to try and open up to someone who may not be as easy to open up to. And everybody has something to share. It's just a matter of asking the right questions. So, um, talking to someone like Erica and having that experience at the end of it where she she opened up to me and she was vulnerable to me, I, I, I wasn't expecting it. And it's kind of like teaching yoga where you are in a way responsible for your students and you're responsible for holding that space. And f- as a podcaster now, uh, it taught me a little bit more about holding space for when someone is sharing something that is very close to their heart. It was it was raw. It was intense. It was in, in it was interesting experience, and I'm glad that that happened. And it showed me like how we are like we're we're all the same, you know. We all have insecurities, and we all have doubts, and we all have problems of our own, and that's what makes us human, you know. So we're all the same. We're all brothers and sisters and we should all just get along. And I don't know, I don't know where where this could take me, you know? So it's interesting. I've said interesting way too many times. Uh, but it is. It's, it's, uh, I'm really excited to see where this goes. So I'm hoping I'm getting better. If, if you hear it from like episode one to episode now, <laughs> that I'm getting better at this so let me know if 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 you feel the same way or if you have ways for me to improve or if you have any questions that you would like me to ask the guests let me know hit me up okay so if you like what you hear subscribe like comment rate and all that tell your friends share it on Instagram tag me I'll tag I'll, I'll repost it and yeah, if you have any questions or if, you, if anybody knows of any other sponsors who are interested to, uh, you know, work with me, let me know. Or if you have any, uh, if you know anyone else who would like to be on this podcast. Okay. I'll see you guys in the next week for the next episode. Uh, oh, I'm starting my, my 200 hour te- teacher training, the second 200 hour teacher training this weekend. So I'm very excited about that. It starts this weekend, last 
for the whole month of June. So I'm going to be busy because I'm going to be working and training at the same time. So I don't know how I'm going to have the time for this party, but I'll find the time. Okay, just some personal updates. Okay, bye.